Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the Work Life Podcast. This is your host, Agnes Uheretsky. And today I'm really excited about this special episode because we are finally having our first guest from the continent of Africa. And Simon Ray is joining me from Togo. Hi, Simon. Hi, Agnes. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on the show. So as a way of introduction, Simon is head group talent learning and organizational development at EcoBank Transnational Inc. His main work and focus is on research, design and implementation of business-driven talent management and leadership development. So his main focus from his background is on learning and organizational development solutions across Africa and also Europe. And so I'm very much uh, looking forward to a conversation because it will be great to address some of the opportunities and also challenges of talent and leadership and organizational development from African point of view. So before we do that, um, Simon is also going to be um, one of the keynote speakers at the Work 2.0 conference in Johannesburg later in the year in September 2017 and that's that's one of the reasons we're so happy to have Simon on the podcast so now maybe handing over to you uh, Simon as a way of introduction I would love if you could share with listeners your career your journey your specialization and a little bit about your passion and what are your current roles and responsibilities great uh, thank you Agnes I appreciate it uh, so, my name is Simon Ray. I am from Tanzania, uh, East Africa. Uh, that's where I grew up and where I was raised. And uh, I migrated uh, to Europe uh, when I was quite a young man. And uh, uh, there I continued uh, with studies, uh, work. Um, and uh, from early on in my career, I have been uh, fascinated with the very simple idea that I, I am uh, still fascinated with to this day. And that is, how can we leverage people or organizational most valuable assets, the people, the human capital, human resources, whatever we call it, to deliver sustainable returns uh, or results? Depends if you are from for profit or not for profit. Uh, and the reason why I've been really fascinated is 
everywhere you go, uh, when you listen to the CEO or HR director or any business leader, when they speak about their people, you find one thing in common, no matter where you're in Africa, Europe, America, is that our people are the most valuable asset. But yet, when you reverse the question and you ask to the employees, how do they feel? Uh, what is their perception of their workplace? Often the answer is not uh, the same. In fact, uh, in most cases, uh, it's rather extreme uh, that employees do not feel that they are indeed the most valuable asset. So I've dedicated uh, uh, pretty much all of my professional career in, in trying to understand uh, uh, what is the leadership role and organizational role, uh, both from uh, people development to talent management and uh, the whole organizational development, which looks after the, the culture, values, etc., so that we are able to have uh, an idea of what are the things that, or what is the theory that organizations can adapt and apply to ensure that uh, they have engaged uh, productive workforce uh, that feels as valuable as they're being seen by uh, their very own leaders. So that's, in, in a nutshell, a little bit about my background. Today, I am, uh, as, as Agnes said, I'm calling from um, Togo. I, am, I have a privilege of uh, 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 leading the group talent, learning, and organizational development uh, for an entire group of Ecobank. Uh, and this is quite an honor because Ecobank is uh, the largest uh, Pan-African bank uh, when it comes to the uh, geographical spread. Uh, we have over 17,000 employees uh, uh, in Africa, uh, and uh, we are also present uh, in four other countries outside of Africa, including UK, uh, France, and other, and other countries. So uh, what keeps me awake at night? Uh, it is basically uh, asking these very basic uh, questions on, on, on what are the things we need to do to best attract talent within the bank? And what do we need to do to ensure that we develop um, the right talent, we develop the talent? And of course, um, uh, what are the mechanisms we need to have in place to ensure that uh, people stay. Uh, and then uh, once you're done with that, the second question that I always ask myself is, what a type of uh, uh, environment, uh, the work environment, uh, do we need um, to have a more engaged uh, uh, and, and forward-looking uh, uh, workforce? So in a nutshell, this is really about me. Thank you very much, Simon, for this uh, detailed uh, introduction to your work and, and your career. And in fact, it's absolutely aligned to the mission and the objectives of the Work Life Hub. And before maybe we go and zoom in a little bit more on your actual work, um, I would like to really take this opportunity, you being our first guest from Africa, to share with listeners, which is a global audience, perhaps the latest um, trends and developments from, from your continent. And in particular, as Africa is, is the next uh, frontier in terms of global growth and uh, in terms of young people and, and, and young talent, what are perhaps some of the opportunities that you believe that, that are there now for Africa, but also globally 
in terms of talent and skills? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Africa, uh, I mean, you have different narratives when you read the newspapers or magazine out there. Uh, if you go into the 80s and 90s, uh, you would see uh, the headline said, um, uh, Africa rising or Africa emerging. And, and these headlines are still here to this day. Uh, but I think the one that I came to appreciate more is the one of that Africa is changing. Because when you look at Africa from a mm -hmm. change point of view, uh, you can ask yourself a question, how fast or how slow Africa is changing? So if you were to uh, look at uh, what are some of the trends and what, are, what it is that you're learning here, uh, I would say the first one, of course, is, um, it is the, the, the youth population in Africa is growing very, very fast. And um, uh, it, it's remarkable. And I think uh, in a few years from now, majority of young people uh, in the world uh, will be coming from uh, the African continent. Uh, yes, I think every yeah. third. Exactly. Every third. Exactly. Yeah. So to think about it from, 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 a, from a point of view of, of talent uh, acquisition or talent development or talent retention, um, 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 so that, that is the first uh, trend that obviously is, is commonly known that the, the youth, um, uh, it is basically taking over uh, the continent. The, the second um, trend of what we are learning here in Africa is that uh, uh, multinationals um, or having multinationals across the continent is no longer a foreign thing, meaning a lot of African organizations, African companies, are looking for opportunities beyond their borders. Um, and of course, this has a lot of uh, implication on, 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 on how, again, do you um, uh, scale your strategy? How do you ensure that um, you, you, you keep the same values and culture uh, and yet uh, um, appreciate that there are differences from a country to country? Uh, and I think the, the, the third one, uh, which is which is also key to mention is that there's a lot of initiatives around uh, women development um, uh, across mm -hmm. uh, across the board. Uh, the 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 other um, I would say the other uh, trends that we are learning in Africa, I think it is the 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 growth the growth of uh, consulting business across the continent, and the reason why that is a, an interesting indicator. Um, um, is that organizations uh, in Africa, when they're looking for growth, they're not saying, well, let's find our African growth. No, they're just looking at growth the same way uh, you look at growth if you are in Belgium, where you call it from today, or, um, uh, or if you are um, in, in North America or any other countries for that matter. So as consultants uh, coming in, uh, they also push for the for another trend to emerge, because now more and more um, uh, of African corporations, uh, and in particular those ones in the southern part of Africa, South Africa being the leader, they are asking for capabilities. So it is one thing to come in and uh, help me develop my strategy. It is another thing for you before you leave to educate my people so that if we have to tweak, revise, and, 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 and uh, uh, redirect our approach, we don't have to call you over and over again. Uh, the, 
the same maybe is not necessarily as 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 a big of an issue uh, as big of an issue in uh, in eastern and western African uh, western part of Africa because again uh, in these areas um, uh, some of the big house uh, consulting houses uh, are just are just coming in right now so uh, those are just some of uh, I would say the uh, 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 the, the, the trends that we are observing uh, uh, here uh, across the continent, from the demographic shifts uh, to uh, cross-border uh, uh, opportunities that companies uh, from the south, east, west, and north uh, are, are, are looking for, to the uh, this this whole idea of developing women, um, putting it at the forefront. Uh, and some companies, they even, they even use that as a way to attract um, talent um, from, from, um, from across the continent. Um, and, uh, and as I say, the, the other one is really the, the consulting training industry uh, is really booming. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, it is growing. Um, uh, if you start from South Africa, it's about 5% or so every year. And then if you go to East and West Africa, I think it's between 15 and 25% year after year. This is how this will tell you that the consumption of what the training industry and consultants have to offer is growing rapidly in this part of the continent. That's absolutely fascinating. And perhaps before we move on, I wanted to just to uh, say that, of course, I was aware and, and I should have asked my first question differently because um, mm. Africa and its countries are just as diverse as Europe and its countries. So, of course, it's, it's a, mm -hmm. it was a difficult question to ask you because if somebody would have asked me about Europe, you know, I don't know how I could have summarized <laughs> all the diversity, but, but I think you captured some of the really key trends that, that really are happening in, in your continent. And, and what you said about um, consulting and capacity building, that actually reminds me when... Uh, before the 10 Eastern European countries joined the European Union, they ha we have seen a booming there as well of consulting and capacity building when um, Western European countries that have already been in the EU uh, sent consultants and companies to help the Eastern Europeans understand some of the systems and utilizing the resources and building capacity among their people so you know that there is definitely more readiness probably in in harnessing some of the global trends that are going to be present just as much in african countries as they mm. are in european countries or asian countries and absolutely I, and i particularly liked what you what you said about harnessing women's mm -hmm. power because this is something that's across the board women are now more there are more women graduates from tertiary education than men so this is definitely a group that that we need to also focus on so what would you say do you see still as perhaps some of the challenges um without you know not wanting to go into stereotypes but but really what are perhaps some of the challenges that that you really see in terms of maybe mobility between the countries i mean you are working for such a multinational company um, is it is is there mobility between the countries? Are, are are people happy to move? And do they have the right skills, the right training? What what do you see as the main challenges? Yeah, that's a very good question. So um, 
and I'll try to be brief for this one. The, uh, the, the, the first, before I go and speak about challenges, let me just add one additional uh, trend sure. that is, uh, has been emerging in, in the continent for the past five, 10 years or so. I think Africa is undeniably the most co one of the most connected continents in the world today. And I'm talking about mobile connection. Uh, mm -hmm. Majority of our citizens do have access to mobile. Uh, majority of our people have embraced uh, uh, the, the, the mobile banking, uh, digital banking, in the way that uh, they are now actually leading uh, the world. Um, and, and I think this uh, is key to mention, uh, especially when we look at the challenges. For example, one of the challenges is uh, dealing with this balance between uh, supply and demand when it comes to skills. So uh, it's a myth uh, when you often read that, okay, uh, uh, there's a brain drain in Africa or uh, Africa lacks uh, 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 trained or people or Africa lacks, etc., uh, etc. Et when it comes to, to skills and education because each year you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Africans who are graduating, who are having better education than their parents. In fact, who are maybe the first generation in their family to ever go to a school, forget at what level of the school. So this question of we cannot find the people in Africa should be reversed uh, or rephrased rather. Uh, the question should be, what type of skills are we looking for um, uh, in Africa? So that's a challenge number one. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge of supply of demand. Uh, we have way too many doctors, for example, in some countries than what we need. Whereas in other countries in Africa, you, you lack doctors. So we can turn these challenges into opportunities uh, and allow the movement of, uh, of people, which of course now leads me to the second point. The second point is really about uh, the movement of people. I think uh, as a continent, we have come a long way. Uh, we are much more connected, as I said earlier. People are able to travel uh, from east to west, uh, south to north. Uh, but here's a challenge. Uh, as uh, individuals um, wanting or desiring to work from one part of Africa to the other part of Africa, uh, it is not as straightforward as one would think. So this is a, is, 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 is a key challenge. And I think uh, the, the African Union uh, is working to address this on how do you create an environment that uh, not necessarily allowing, because it's allowed, but promoting the idea that people should move and look for opportunities across the continent as they desire, uh, again, supply and demand. So that's the second challenge that Africa uh, is facing. The, the third challenge, I think, uh, that we're facing in Africa is the one on, um, on entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 uh, uh, I don't believe that uh, as much as corporations like ourselves are playing an, an amazing role uh, in the transformation of Africa, uh, I don't believe we can do it on our own. I believe uh, it takes government, it takes other corporations, uh, but most importantly, it takes the will of entrepreneurs. 
So I, I think one of the challenges Africa is facing is, is how do we introduce entrepreneurship as a subject to be learned from very early stages uh, uh, at school? Um, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and secondly, still on entrepreneurship, is how do we promote, just like the movement of skills, how do we promote the idea that uh, think beyond your borders? So when you create an application or when you start um, uh, a shop or when you start any kind of business, um, we should start to think beyond our horizon beyond the horizon. Uh, and by this is our next door neighbors, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The last challenge, um, which is now more towards people um, development, I think it is, um, it's a challenge of, um, I would call the challenge of, uh, or the lack of uh, customization. Uh, and let me explain. Uh, mm -hmm. As, as, Information is accessible uh, around the world. As uh, the, the consultant and the best practices are being made available uh, to pretty much anyone who can afford it across the continent, one of the challenges uh, is, to, is for, for organizations and leaders around the continent is to be very deliberate in terms of what type of customization, or what type of problems are they trying to solve? And the reason why I am putting it here as a challenge is because uh, when you read the headline that says consulting business is growing, uh, pretty much on the same article, you might also read that, well, it's growing, but companies do not see the value. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. both the consultant and the client, but I'm speaking from a client point of view here, should take their own responsibility by ensuring that we're able to articulate uh, um, what problems uh, we're trying to, sell, uh, to solve. Uh, without that, I think it's going to be very difficult to, uh, to, to measure the return on investment uh, at the end of the day. So these are just some of the challenges that uh, we continue to observe um, across the continent. Thank you. And um, perhaps uh, also looking at um, how this then actually manifests itself for organizations, um, in your experience, what is it that talented African employees are, are looking for for an organization? Because I, I really enjoyed your introduction about the big um, difference or the big gap between what the leadership uh, proclaims to be the value of, of employees and then how employees actually perceive their day-to-day -day, uh, working lives. Um, and, and what is it that now organizations that are already in Africa or if somebody is setting up a company and would like to employ people, what is it that you would say are some of the trends that, that are shaping the way people choose where to work and, and, and how they work? That's a brilliant question. So quickly, the first one is uh, opportunities, opportunities to grow. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, learning, 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 learning. People go where 
uh, uh, learning opportunities um, are being afforded uh, to them. The, the third one, it is, and, and it's hardly we don't talk much about it, it is the connection between the company strategy with what it intends to do to the community where it operates in. CSR. The fourth one um, is obviously the, the compensation and benefits. Uh, uh, that is that is key. But I would say it's not just in terms of money, as in here's your package and here you go, and there you go. Uh, I think uh, organizations need to go a step further. And by a step further, I mean they need to look at what other areas you can consider uh, as, uh, as a benefit you provide to an individual. Uh, is it uh, ensuring that the, 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 they take... Um, uh, the mandatory uh, leave, uh, or is it to ensure that you send them abroad or in other parts of the continent uh, to a training program? Um, so we need to rethink what compensation and benefit is about. And, and, and you see most, more and more professionals in Africa, as much as they are, of course, keen to get bigger packages, they're looking for something a little extra. Yeah. The other one that I think is, is, is extremely important is values. Mm. Uh, you, you often hear these um, uh, people be like, wow, I love that company. Why? Because their values uh, are just amazing. And uh, every time I go to their branch or every time I go to their uh, uh, hotel or wh whatever business uh, you're in, uh, values really drive um, um, uh, the, 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 and encourage people from outside uh, to want to come um, and join that particular uh, organization. And of course, the same is true that for those ones who are in the organizations, they, uh, of course, would want to stay longer there uh, because the values um, um, uh, are key. And I think, I think the reason why Africans, uh, I mean, African corporations value values, uh, or say African employees rather, <laughs> value values is because uh, in any given country in Africa, and it's something we don't talk about. You have amazing number of tribes. So let's say I am from I am from Tanzania originally. So in Tanzania we have I think somewhere between 150 to 200 different tribes hmm. in one country. Of course we have one language that unites us. But when you come to work, there has to be something else that hooks us in, that connects us, that keeps us engaged and keeps us together. And that is among other things, of course, about the values. Hmm. Um, the, the shared sense of we have a belief mm. uh, of how things need to be get done uh, around here. Uh, and then last but not least is mobility. Mm -hmm. um, uh, people, uh, or, you know, and, and uh, when, you, when you work for, uh, uh, for uh, large institutions um, uh, like ours, uh, it, it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing to see uh, uh, just where you can go, uh, not only in terms of levels, as in if I move to that country, I'll become more senior, but just the, the idea that I can move from one region to the other region, um, that is a big plus um, for, uh, for, a number of, uh, for a number of staff. Um, and I think the last, last but not least, it is... Um, 
I know we don't talk much about it, but it's a flexible uh, working style. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, uh, I know these are big buzzwords when you speak about work-life balance, but the, 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 given our own demographics, uh, whereby young people uh, will be coming in here, they're not used to nine to five. Uh, the, 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 the productivity, uh, 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 or at least the way to go about productivity means something a little different from one person to the other. So corporations coming in Africa or those ones in Africa thinking to expand, I think it's very important to have um, uh, sort of a demographic uh, strategy. So mm. how do you ensure that uh, you, your work is generation, multi-generational friendly? Yes. Uh, uh, of course, I'm not saying that you need to change the end in mind. No, the end in mind can stay the same. It is to achieve, if you are for profit, sustainable shareholder return, for example. That, that should never change. But the way you go about it, uh, I think is going to be very, very important. Uh, because these young people are connected. These young people are, are, are very good at multitasking. These this, this young people... Uh, they are very quick uh, to learn uh, using digital tools, um, uh, digital applications. Uh, these young people, are, they, they, they see no limit uh, because uh, what happens in Brussels or in London or in New York this second, they can have access to it. Yeah. So access to information is really, really key uh, for these people as well. So in Russia... That would be my advice to a company coming into Africa or, or wanting to expand uh, from one country to multi countries across the continent. No, it's I mean, it's really fascinating. And on the one hand, of course, it's so interesting to hear that it's very much the same kind of preoccupations that companies have in the US or in, the, in Europe. Yeah. And it seems like that not many have figured out how to do this. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then those who have um, are, are few. Um, and I wanted to ask you one more thing about the different African countries because I wonder whether you have experience with, you know, you work for a company um, that has branches and offices all over in all kinds of countries and cultural contexts. What is your experience with having one company culture and then trying to match that up? with the culture in the country, how easy or how difficult is it to have the company, the organizational values, the organizational purpose, and then because you're operating in so many different countries, to to make sure that, that the, the core organizational culture stays the same and is not having some national interpretations. I'm just very interested on, on how this works in practice. I don't have an answer for this. I'm just quite interested on on how you're experiencing this and, and, and how you are, what are some of the strategies perhaps that, that you are, you're applying mm. in your work? Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 and I think, and the reason why uh, I, I think this is a challenging question that we all ask ourselves every day is because uh, it is, we all understand the importance of organizational culture and we also understand the influence of sort of a national, regional culture uh, to how people behave. So, um, um, but, but here's the thing, is that 
when you sell uh, Coca-Cola from uh, one country to another, well, the test might be a little different, but it remains Coca-Cola. Um, and uh, another example could be if you are purchasing something from Amazon.com, uh, it doesn't matter if you're purchasing it from Togo or from Tanzania or from Brussels, uh, but the service, the very same customer service that has been promised to you in the U.S. by Amazon, it is what you'll be expecting, whether you are ordering from one part of the world or the other. Mm -hmm. And then another um, uh, 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 paradox is that the, we all know business strategies are being disrupted and they are changing and shifting um, uh, uh, much quicker than the way uh, they have done in the past. Uh, uh, it's very difficult for companies sometimes to even predict what might happen uh, with certainty in the next six months, um, um, forget about five years or ten years, right? Yeah. So, um, but with that, do cultures in these countries, I'm talking about national yeah. cultures, uh, regional cultures, do they change as quick? The answer is not. Uh, some stick around for generations and generations. Yes, there will be um, uh, uh, sort of the, the, the urbanization of, 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 of a culture, but it remains a culture. Now, back to your question on how corporations um, can use culture or can have one culture and operating across the continent. Think about us as a Pan-African financial institution. Our values whether it's the values of uh, integrity or the values of entrepreneurship or the values of teamwork, collaboration, etc., these values are universal. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that, that, that is the, 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 the lesson number one, is that the values that a company creates must be universal. The second thing uh, uh, that I would say is that make sure that your values and therefore what influence your culture mean something. And let me expand on that. I mean, let me give an example. So Google is known for this value of uh, do no evil. I'm sure you've heard of that. But, and that value was not created by a consultant coming in or, I mean, in the company. That value was created by Googlers uh, saying, well, this is what we stand for. Now, that value uh, continued to, uh, to expand and deepen to this day. Um, and, and what it means still remain exactly the same, uh, despite the fact that Google uh, has grown from uh, 10 employees to uh, thousands of employees around the world. The second thing that I would advise to ensure that the values and culture stick and work uh, across the nations, um, across countries, across generations um, in Africa is to, 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 you have to do, uh, you have to make sure that you are measuring the return on these values. What do I mean by this? Is that make sure that uh, uh, they, uh, that individuals, whether they are in one part of Africa or the other, are being assessed on how they utilize values to get the work done. And that is key. And we have a lot of examples. In fact, uh, here at the organizations, organization, 
that's the way we go about it. Um, uh, but the, 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 if you look at some of the other global organizations like uh, Xerox, uh, for example, um, uh, their, their CEO famously say that, well, living value is far from what's on a piece of paper. Um, and, 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 and whether the company is doing well or not, those values must be assessed, must be reinforced, uh, because they mean something. They are the core, they're the DNA of the company. The other point that I would like to make uh, is that uh, I think the values or your culture should influence your strategic ambition as a company and not the other way around. Mm. So earlier on, we spoke about how things are changing and shifting uh, very quickly. Uh, 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 I don't think you have to change and then let's say, change the strategy and say, oh, let me see how this now fits in my values or with my values. That would be wrong. Mm. Uh, Amazon, the, 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 the obsession of customer service that Amazon has, uh, it's what they use to expand from a million-dollar company to a multi-multi-billion-dollar company. So that obsession of customer service moved them from selling books to now pretty much selling everything. Uh, across the board. So, so, and that is a key. I think if we think of all the three or four I've shared, perhaps that is the most important one, mm. that let the value influence your strategic ambition and not the other way around. So your value of integrity or your value of uh, a customer service uh, or let's say, uh, I don't know, let's say uh, uh, simplicity, if that's your value. Um, now, it should influence or it should filter your thoughts as you as you adapt or as you add a new business stream or as you change your strategy's focus altogether. And I would like to finish by saying by giving the following example, and this is in my uh, this example is in my upcoming um, um, uh, article uh, op-ed I'm writing for an, uh, another publication. Uh, whereas I am I am looking at the house as a metaphor, uh, so. You know, one does not change uh, the house foundation just because they want to add a room. One does not remove the house foundation uh, just because uh, they need to uh, expand the size of their living room or change their kitchen uh, or put uh, bigger uh, windows, etc., mm -hmm. etc. And I know this is a very simplistic way of looking at uh, um, values, but values should rarely change, like really rarely change, uh, because values uh, are just really who you are. You don't change as a human being, you develop and evolve over time. The same is true uh, when you look at cooperation, that this value, this culture that you define should be your competitive advantage as you move forward as you expand from one place to the other. And as I said, organizations like ourselves, we always strive to ensure that the idea we have of operating uh, across a continent and mean something bigger than just being another bank, uh, leave and, and guide all of us as we serve our customers uh, across the board. Mm. No, I think it's very, very incredibly insightful that you just shared with mm. us and and mm. what I distill from that is that the culture is non-negotiable. Nope. So, un unfortunately, the time is always going way too fast on the podcast recordings. 
Um, so before we move to the last question, may I ask you, uh, Simon, if you would share with listeners how and where they could get in touch with you? Sure. So they, they can get in touch with me on uh, my Twitter at uh, Simon Ray B. So at Simon Ray B. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. If they just search Simon Ray, uh, I'm sure they'll be able to uh, get in touch with me. Um, and uh, I'm always keen to listen and, and, and learn um, as much as I share. Thank you so much. And now coming to the last question, which is always the same on the Work Life podcast. If you could give one advice to a CEO or business leader on harnessing the talent and potential of their employees or the people in their community, what would be your advice? I think uh, I would say that uh, they should understand their role uh, and the impact they have on what people do at work and beyond uh, work. And the more specific way to look at this is, is one that I suggest in, uh, in uh, my last article at the uh, CLO, um, Chief Learning Officer Magazine, uh, Why Organizations Need Chief Knowledge Curators. I think the leader of today and leader of the future, uh, in addition to being the CEO, you also need to be a CKC. <laughs> so this is the chief knowledge curator. Uh, because think about this for a second, Agnes. You know, the knowledge you have, we can look at it the same way as a currency, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now, when you spend in the right way, when you distribute that knowledge the right way, the dividends, of course, should be able to compound and like the fastest growing interest. Your people want to hear from you. But they don't want to hear from you just from the memos. This is how our share price is at. And this uh, is, is what our board is saying. And I'm not saying those things are not important. Those things are very important. But what else? What, what would get them fired up? I think as a CEO, if I may, I'll give four quick practical tools. Um, again, which can be found in this article. The first one is you need to understand what your employees are trying to accomplish. Right. So what is it? What made people come to you? Mm -hmm. What made people join your company? Understanding that will influence the way you want to communicate with them, the way you want to share the knowledge with them. The second thing, of course, as I said earlier, is that you need to own and become the chief knowledge curator. And I'm not saying that you need to be the only one sharing emails or internal social media platform to tell people read this book or that book. No, but start and inspire your executive team, so that across the whole leadership ranks, you have leaders who share knowledge to influence a decision, to influence uh, strategic change, uh, or to influence any demand they may have to their employees. Mm -hmm. The third one, it is this idea now, once you have done the top down, is reinforce the bottom up knowledge sharing through organizational ideas, idea hubs. What do I mean by this is, Make sure that uh, as people get, get information from you, there's a place also they too can go and share. Your people know more than you might think. Yeah. Your people know more than you might think. Now, the last one, it is this whole of uh, whatever, um, um, uh, you know, what get measured, get done. So the fourth idea is integrate knowledge sharing into your performance process. This is key. 
because if you mandate that um, in addition to the five or ten KPIs your executives may have, that one of the KPIs is on how much do you share knowledge uh, that is linked to a, let's say, profitability or expansion or whatever your strategic goal is. Uh, so you're, you're, you're a bit specific there. I think you will go a long way. You'll go a long way in, in, in not only uh, uh, help people understand where the organization is going, but also you will create this learning culture um, across the organization. And as we all know, when organization embraces learning cultures, uh, the ability to solve problems and, and, and innovate or out-innovate uh, tend, uh, tend to increase. So uh, embracing their new role as, as chief knowledge curators would be my, uh, my humble advice um, to, the, uh, to the CEOs. That's fantastic. I mean, I, so many takeaways there, and I really, really appreciated your different... Um, you know points in there but definitely the one about making um, knowledge sharing part of performance just is is I think incredibly vital because this really links back up to collaboration to co-creation to transparency to the joint purpose I think it's really aligned with a number of different organizational development objectives that we speak about and as you say, it's something that can be measured. It's something that can be monitored. And, and, and I just liked, I really loved what you said about this knowledge culture that it's not just, you know, sharing books and go read this, but, but the really the curation of the information. I just really love that. Well, thank you very much, Brilliant. Simon, for, for sharing that. It has been a really, really informative, insightful podcast. And I'm so happy you, you accepted to be a guest and, and I really wish you the best of success in your work and in your future. Thank you, Agnes. I really appreciate that. <laughs>